I recently read a story about a college football coach. His name is Burt Russell. He was the coach for Georgia Southern in the 80s, and he was one of the most winning coaches uh, to ever play the game. And one year, he had a group of students who were, <clears throat> or it's not students, but players that were young. It was a young, young football team. And they were extremely arrogant and extremely cocky. <clears throat> and so he wanted to teach them a little bit of a lesson. So he brought them all into the locker room, and then he locked the doors to the locker room. And there were two people in the locker room. There was a, a policeman, and there was a guy that was kind of dressed, he looked like a farmer. The policeman had a, a briefcase, and the farmer had a burlap sack. And so he brought the policeman forward. He said, John, I want you to show these guys what you have in your briefcase. So he opens up his briefcase, and he pulls out a little Ziploc bag full of white powder. And the coach says, does anybody know what that is? And they're kind of joking and hitting each other. They're like, yeah, coach, we know what that is. That's cocaine. And he's like, anybody afraid of that? And they're like, no, we're not afraid. What do you mean afraid of it? Like, you can get it on campus, it's everywhere, you know, one of the guys like, yeah, John's sister even sells it, and he's like, shut up, man, you know, and they're just kind of just playing around with it. And so the coach says, all right, put it away, <clears throat> puts it away, says, Joe, I want you to show him what's in that burlap sack, so he comes out, dumps on the sack, and a diamondback rattlesnake comes onto the table, <clears throat> and the kids freak out. They're like, what's the matter with you, coach? You crazy? And he's like, does anybody know what this is? And he's like, yeah, man, that's a rattlesnake. And he's like, is anybody afraid of this? And he's like, yeah, we're terrified. They're like, kind of, you know, they go to the door, but the door is locked. And he says to, the, to Joe, he says, Joe, go ahead and put the snake back in the bag. He's that lily, you know, one of those little snake catcher things. And he says, boys, I want to sit down. And so they sit down. And he says to him, you know what? You are comfortable with things that are incredibly dangerous, and you're terrified of things that can hardly hurt you. Annually, 0.0004% of people die from rattlesnake bites. But millions have their lives destroyed through drugs. Millions, hundreds of college athletes lose their scholarships because of drugs. And then he said his real words of wisdom. He said, boys, if you don't know what's going to separate you from your goal, you are starting out in a very, very dangerous position. My friends, I want to talk to you today about marriage. <clears throat> it's all over in our readings. Your goal, I want to talk to married people, I want to talk to those who have been married 60 years, those who have been married 2 years, those that are thinking about marriage. Because your goal should be to experience real love throughout your marriage. And I want to give you two things that are seemingly not that dangerous. Or maybe you've become comfortable with in your marriage and it will kill your love. <clears throat> the first thing we need to learn is from the readings. And both of these things I want to talk to you about are in the first reading. It's the first time we should notice in the, the, the Genesis account that God says something's not good. You know, remember he creates the sky and he's like, that's good. You know, he creates the land, that's good. Creates the animals, the creeping things, that's good. But when he gets to man, he says, it's not good. What's not good? It's not good that he should be alone. And so God says, now be careful, ladies. He says, I will make him a helper. Ladies, raise your hand if you want to be a helper. <clears throat> it's important to understand the word he uses, though, because it has different translations, helper, partner, 
The word is azer in Hebrew. It shows up 21 times in the Old Testament. 17 of those times, it's in reference to God. Now, ladies, don't get too big of a head now. But what he's saying, what God is saying is, I'm not going to create someone to give the guy the remote or to make him a sandwich or to do his laundry. This is a very special sort of divine presence that the woman is going to show to the man. There's a beautiful Jewish commentary written thousands of years ago, and it said this, God didn't create the woman from the man's head so that she could rule over him, nor did he create her from his feet so that she might be a slave to him. He created her from his rib so that she would always be near to his heart and protect his heart. Isn't that beautiful? Just like, ah, that's nice. Because there's a lot of things that God could have created to overcome man's lowliness. He could have taken that little bone from the rib and he could have made a big Dodge Dooley pickup. But he didn't. He could have made a man cave with a stereo and a big screen TV, but he didn't. He could have made a lake cabin with a huge $100,000 wakeboarding boat, but he didn't. He made a woman, a person. And we should learn from this. Where is the fulfillment in your marriage going to come from? The relationship. Not things. But so many of us forsake the relationship for things. It's almost like we take the spouse for granted, right? Well, she has to love me. She's married to me. Oh, he has to love me. He's married to me. To be human is to be made for communion. We are created in the image and likeness of God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three persons subsisting in love. Therefore, if we are created in that image and likeness, we are fulfilled through relationship. We don't need stuff. The loneliness maybe some of us have ever been is when we have everything we need and we got no one to share it with. So the first danger that you need to be afraid of, or maybe you've even become comfortable with in your marriage, is material things. Nothing will kill love faster. Nothing will kill a marriage quicker. Do not look to the world for happiness. Look to God and look to each other. You have everything you need right here, right now to be happy. It's all about relationship. The second thing, the second thing you should learn from the first reading is when God brings the woman to man and man speaks. Man says, yeah, (laughs) I'm going to paraphrase. That's what I'm talking about. Like that's way better than the giraffe. I know that. And it's kind of funny, too, because Eve doesn't say anything. You know, like, Adam's like, yes, awesome. And she's like, "Eh, you're okay, I guess. But she doesn't need to say anything. Woman's very person conveys a truth, which, for the record, is under great attack in our world right now. The woman's person says, I am meant to be a gift. I am meant to receive your love. It's built into her very body to receive. And the man, it is built into his very body to give. He gives. She receives. 
And so if the first part about is all about relationship, then the second part of God's plan is that you are to become a gift to each other. You love the other more than yourself. And so the second danger that you may have become a little bit too complacent with or you're too comfortable with is your ego. You getting your way. You doing what you want to do and forsaking the relationship. Nothing kills love faster. Nothing kills joy faster. And this, by the way, is where the faith comes in. This is where the faith comes in. Because there will be plenty of times that you will not want to sacrifice your wants, wishes, and desires for your spouse because you're mad at them. And they don't deserve it. But you know who always deserves it? God. God always deserves it. And so you don't even have to do it for your spouse necessarily. You do it for your God. And you know what we call that? When we kill our ego for God and for the good of others, we call that holiness. And if you're living that, your marriage will thrive. I promise you. You do it for God, you will become holy. And your love will grow. A priest friend of mine, he, he told me this story. He knew this man and woman. They had been married for 60 years. Beautiful marriage. They were on the same page about everything. They loved each other. And he said, he found this story out when, when she got sick. Because there was this shoebox that she kept up in her closet. And the, the man was always like, well, what is that? And he's, she's like, just don't worry about it. It's something I need. It helps me. It's not a big deal. And he's like, okay, I trust you. And so they goes on and on and on. After 60 years, she gets sick. They go in. She's diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And she is not going to be released from, the, from the, the hospital. And the little man, you know, this old man is just crushed. And so he's sitting there holding his hand. And all of a sudden, he said he remembered that shoebox. He's like, can I know what's in the shoebox now? And she said, yeah, go get it. So he goes home, gets it, brings it back. He's at her bedside and he opens it up. And there's two crocheted dolls and $95,000. And he was shocked. He's like, what is, what is this? And she said, when we first got married, the priest told me that if I ever get mad at you, that I should crochet a doll and pray for you and submit my wants, wishes, and desires out of love for God and also for you. And the old man started like, he said, my buddy said, started tearing up because he's like, I mean, I knew we had a good marriage, but two, only two times you were mad at me? And he said, well, well, what's the money? And she said, that's the money I made from selling all the other dolls. <laughs> it's not easy. 95,000 times. Unless she sold them for 50 cents. <laughs> but that's the beauty. That's the beauty. We live in one of the most selfish cultures maybe to ever exist in the history of the world. Nobody is doing that. And even he didn't want to do it. Remember the agony in the garden? Father, let this cup pass from me. But not my will. But your will be done. He taught us how to do it. But so many times it's my will be done. And that I am convinced is why the divorce rate is 50% even higher. And marriages 
so rarely work out. Because everybody says it's about me, it's about me, it's about me. Nowhere in our faith is it about me. And the sooner we learn that, the more beautiful life will become. May our hearts echo the words of Jesus in the garden, in our relationships, and in your marriages. Father, your will be done, not mine.